A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Z Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to episode number 98 of the Andy J Podcast. I hope you are having an excellent week. I am delighted to say today's guest is absolutely sensational. The brilliant, one of the most terrifying interviewers, one of the most revered celebrity interviewers of all time, a man who I grew up watching on the screens with various different shows, including Clive Anderson Talks Back. Oh, hang on, I've given his name away. That's right, it's Clive Anderson. Clive Anderson is today's special guest. Delighted, delighted. And he is actually one of a trio of podcasts we are putting out this week. Tomorrow you'll also be able to hear from Jez Bond, more from him at the end of the show, and on Thursday, I believe it'll be episode 100 of the Andy J podcast. All the fanfares, please. We will be welcoming the brilliant Harry Hill to the show. So this week, Clive Anderson, Jez Bond and Harry Hill are your trio of celebrity interviews. So let's get straight in, shall we, with the mesmeric, the fantastic Clive Anderson. The Andy J podcast. A barrister by training, he's best known for being an award-winning and versatile broadcaster and comedy writer. That's from his agent's website, incidentally. But you'll know him from shows like Whose Line It Is It Anyway, Clive Anderson Talks Back, Clive Anderson All Talk. In fact, it doesn't take a mensa brain to work out that I'm thrilled to welcome the one and only Clive Anderson. How are you doing, Clive? I'm doing fine. Hello, Andy. That's the, that's the <laughs> pinnacle of broadcasting success when your name is in the show title, isn't it? Well, it, it's it's often the way now, though, isn't it? You don't have to be that successful. They're just uh, in listings. People can't distinguish one program from another. So putting your name in it is the is the only way forward, really. But it was, you know, you say now, okay, sure, with influences and everything else, names are kind of everywhere. Even my name's in this show, for goodness sake. But back <laughs> then, you know, to have a chat show, and, and let's be fair, these things were gold dust to broadcasters. You know, everybody wanted a chat show. Everybody wanted to do it. So you must have yeah. felt pretty special when it, when it came in. Well, uh, yes, though, oddly enough, I'm, I'm always one who hesitates. To say, oh, I'm not sure if it, I'm, you know, we should be doing this. So uh, we did Whose Line Is It Anywhere on the radio, it was an improv show, and then it went very rapidly to television with me saying, oh, I think we should do 10 years on radio before we do a television program. And then, as you mentioned, I was a barrister while this was uh, starting up. And I was luckily an hour late for a one-hour meeting to talk about possibly doing a chat show. So when I arrived, they said, oh, well, was, you know, they want it in a few weeks' time. And I started saying, oh, we can't get that ready in a few weeks' time. Oh, what if, what if this? They said, shut up, Clive. We're doing the program and get on. So had I been there, I'm, I'm fairly certain I would have talked them out of it and I wouldn't have uh, got going at all. So, but as you say, once 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 you do a chat show, I think Harry Enfield did something like this once. He, they must have argued about what to call one of his shows and he just ended up saying, let's just call it the Harry Enfield show and, and be done with it. Yeah, so, they added so the chums when they realised he had a few talented yeah. friends. 
Yeah, then, yes. then Paul Whitehouse came in after the fact because he was just a builder when, when yeah. Harry started, obviously. Anyway, we don't need to talk about Harry. Lovely man as he is, and he's no. been, been on both of our shows. He's great fun. Uh, now, Clive, one of the mm. things that I think it's... Let, let's talk about this first because I'm excited about this. There are lots of ways people can see and hear you at the moment, but one of the ways is a way that has only been experienced once before. You've kind of decided to step into the firing line again, and this is a theatre show. You'll, you'll be performing on the stage with no idea what's happening. This is a great concept. Why don't you explain and then we'll go into some detail. Well, my natural state is to never be quite certain what's happening in most things I do. So I fit in okay with this. This is a park theatre in, and the park is the Finsbury Park. So it's a relatively new theatre in uh, Finsbury Park. And every now and then, in the nature of theatre, they have to try and uh, raise some money to uh, to keep going and keep, keep in business. So a couple of years ago, 2019, I think it was, uh, they did some uh, sort of improvised whodunits. Uh, the structure being they got a guest performer, and you know, on one evening it was me, uh, you come along and you are the inspector trying to solve a whodunit, you know, who killed whom, what's going on. And there's a bunch of actors who know what's going on and you have to sort of fit in with them. It's sort of it, well, it's a sort of improvisation, um, putting you on the spot, I suppose. And I, you know, I did it last time and I thought, oh, this is, this is interesting. I wonder how how this is going to work. And it was good fun. It was great. You got to dress up as a detective. So, uh, you know, two or three years have gone by and they're doing the same thing again, except it's a different story this time. I think I know, I think I'm supposed to know it's on board a, a ship or an ocean liner yeah, or something liner. like that. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're following, the first one was in a sort of country house. So they're, they're following the traditions of the, of the Agatha Christie and other stories like that. Uh, so it's proper, proper actors slash improvisers. And then you get a guest star uh, every performance. I think, the audience doesn't know who they're going to get. So it could be me or Clive Anderson or Gillian Anderson, or it could be Sir Ian McKellen, or it could be you know, Sanjeev Bhaskar. So there's a, there's a big range of performing stars. I don't know if maybe some audience members might come back for more and want to see what well, I saw. I saw Sir Ian McKellen do it. I wonder if uh, somebody else can be as good an actor as he is. Well, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? This is one of the things mm. where I imagine being one of the cast members, because like you say, there's a fixed cast that have their lines, that have their blocking, they know exactly what's happening. And then there's this celebrity guest who's fed the lines via an earpiece. It's all kind of happening in the moment. But for the audience, yeah. you could effectively go to a different show every single night because it is how you <laughs> interpret the lines you're being fed yeah. and the surprise, right, I guess, that comes. Well, uh, you're, you're fed the lines, but I think, um, if I'm brutally honest about it, they try and put you the wrong way and, and muck you around. So you, so you end up saying the wrong line to the wrong person or you stumble over the line because you can't quite believe it. Anyway, maybe that was just the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, I mean, if, if you were a member of that sort of standard cast who are, who are you know, the, the playing the other characters, what a gig, because every night you're sharing the stage with a different legend. I mean, it's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, I mean some some of us are more legendary than others. So you know, you've got you know you know Jonathan Price, Ian McKellen, um, oh, all sorts of people. Caroline Simon Quentin, Callow, uh, Emma Thompson. Simon, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, these are big, big stars. Brandreth, you know, they, these are, and there's quite a lot of uh, a range of types of performer as well. So it's not just all great actors or all um, you know people who tell jokes for a living. It's uh, it, it covers the ground. David Mitchell, uh, he, he'd be a good one. Because I'm sure, I'm sure they'll try and make him lose his temper. Not really lose his temper, you know. Go go off on one and yes. depart from the lines. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Ross Kemp. I mean, we can keep going. Les Dennis, Joanna mm. Lumley, Lee Mack, Neil Morrissey, Johnny yeah. Vegas, Bradley Walsh. This is. I mean, it's a colossal mm. list of of 
gargantuan talent, I believe the term is. This, this sounds impressive. In fact, I'm rather annoyed that I'm doing one now because <laughs> there will sound like better people to see than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, but it is. But that's the fun of it. You you don't know who mm. your star's going to be. It's. Yeah. I mean, they do keep it completely secret. I went last time, and it was Jason Manford uh, who actually performed. Oh, right. It was it was great fun. You know, kind of took it into his stride. It took a few minutes to get into it, as I think most people would. But then once once he's in his groove, it became a lot of fun. And it's mm. it's. I mean, another one. I'm not trying to sort of sell it because I I know this is a great thing and it's great fun to be part of. But you can also, as an audience member, you can you can. I think it's a ten quid or something to to enter a lottery to have a small part in it as well. So, Clive, I don't know if you knew that. It's not just the cast. You may even also have an audience member joining you on stage. I've, I've seen that. My memory's rubbish. I don't think that happened last time. I don't no, think there you. was a random yeah. member. Of the, oh, right. Oh, good God. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm probably dangerously a bit too relaxed about it. The last time I thought, oh, well, how the earth is this going to work? I, this could go horribly wrong. I wonder if they worked it out right. Are we, am I going to be left with egg on my face? Albeit improvised egg on my face, but I, it seemed it seemed to go well. So now I'm thinking, oh, this would be a breeze. When that's where danger lies, obviously, and I'm going to be caught out. That's, I mean, that's going to be the joy of it. One of the things that you were saying is something you're excited about, and I want to get into this. Is you said, well, you get to dress up as a detective. Sounds like that's a big appeal for you. Well, uh, <laughs> it was. I don't. I don't naturally. I mean, I'm not a great dresser upper in a way. Things never never look. Uh, great. I remember years ago, and I was doing um, a comic relief uh, thing. We had to, it was for a video for the comic relief number of the year, and uh, for reasons I can't now can't remember, Peter Cook, Hugh Laurie, and I had to dress up in sort of old Tweedy clothes, and we were given a room full of old Tweedy clothes. Oh, okay. And for the first couple of minutes, we all looked just a wreck. But time we got out in front of the camera. Peter Cook and Hugh Laurie looked great. They looked like <laughs> distinguished. I don't know, lords or something. I look like the the under gardener who'd wandered in with the wrong jacket on. I don't know what it is. So you don't expect me to look phantom, but um, a detective's outfit in an, uh, in um, in a country house is what we did before. I, I think I looked okay. And because it's a long Mac and a funny hat on. And uh, I think I got away. I don't know what, I presumably move more lightweight clothing on a, on an ocean liner, perhaps I'll have um, shorts. a blazer or something. Oh, yeah, we used to, it might or, be shorts um, and a vest. You know, anything's possible. <laughs> no, the detective. Uh, well, you know, um, that's a hard they, pass, they is it? No, no, no shorts for me. <laughs> I, can, I can just about cope with shorts, but I don't, I'm not sure the audience would be uh, particularly thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> Hercule be... Poirot doesn't. Hercule Poirot doesn't come on in shorts, does he? Well, on murder on the on the Nile. Or, well, yeah. probably not. But nonetheless, you know, now. Clive Anderson's legs could be trending. I mean, this could be a fun thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Look at those deeply bronzed pins. No one was expecting yeah. that. You know, it's, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> <well> don't. <laughs> it's all these things. They they all they all add up to a lot of fun, don't they? But but Clive, let's talk about you because of course you you have led this quite remarkable career. I mean, it's. It's a well kind of trodden knowledge about you being 15 years as a barrister, but it's not like you sort of just fell into television. You know, you, Footlights, of course, when you went to university, you, you were in the right scene. You had the right friends in showbiz to kind of already be in and around some of the exciting comedy that was happening. Yeah, I was a bit on the edge of things. I mean, the far edge of things. So as you say, I was a barrister, which is you know, reasonably sensible work. It does leave a few gaps sometimes if a, if a trial stops too soon or there are, you've got no brief. Uh, so I used to fill up some of that time with a little bit of writing scripts for people and a little bit of stand-up comedy in my spare time. 
But the closest I really got to it was I was, um, I used to do like the warm up uh, in, you know, in studio recordings and audience as a warm up man. Because it could, can be a woman. Um, but uh, so I did a bit of that for shows that I'd written for. And to be honest, I, I always have to admit, I think I was a better warm up man than I was writers. So, so I was quite, quite happy doing that. And, um, you know, things have flown another way. That's, that's would have been my involvement, I think, with, with show business and the odd, you know, trip to the comedy store. But, um, well, yeah, one thing or another, and I, I did a radio program because they were short of somebody at the last minute. I mean, literally, you know, are you free tomorrow night? And then that led to doing uh, Who's Line and then off onto television, as I described earlier. So it, it happened, but there's absolutely no reason for it. You know, it could, could easily, I could be a judge now. This is the, this is the thing. That's what I was. I always blame my producers who got me going on television. They ruined. I can be Lord Chief Justice instead. I'm not. I feel. I feel like that's a line for the tombstone, isn't it? I I could have been a judge. You know? Yes. Well, uh, that's a bit Peter Cookie, isn't it? Yeah. I could yeah. Have been, I could. <laughs> yeah. What Spike Milligan's? I told you I was ill. That was him, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is really interesting, Clive. I wasn't expecting you to say this. I, I was kind of expecting you to be humble because I've heard you sort of downplay things a lot historically and, and often the super successful tend to. But you know, I had the sort of company of Jer- Jeremy Clarkson a few times as well and, and he keeps coming back to luck. He dismisses talent. He dismisses the sort of opportunities that he found and he says everything was luck. And it, the way you're presenting it is almost like your entire career, outside of being a barrister, has been based around luck. Well, I, I, I certainly support the notion, and it's a comfort. When things go wrong, you can say, well, it's just bad luck. And I would anybody who, who's wandering around saying, oh, I could have done that, uh, yeah, fair enough, it's probably bad luck. So in your career, you have bad luck, you have good luck. I suppose you've got to, uh, you've got to have something to back it up or some, some quality that, that works. But uh, especially in the world of show business, uh, there's quite a few people who can do the, the, the job. But if they get cast as... Uh, you know, some interesting role in a, in a movie to take it into the realm of, you know, proper acting, um, that, that can make their career. Well, they get a song and a musical that, that uh, people go for. So uh, it all came together in a rather happen chance and good fortune uh, for me. A guy called uh, Dan Patterson, who's a TV producer now, uh, wanted to be in the radio show and then the TV. And then now things flow from that. And I've done... Uh... No, but I have had a rather weird career. I'd, last uh, two or three winters, I've been making um, some uh, some pro TV programs for the Smithsonian Channel called Mystic Britain. I found myself in a radio interview to somewhere in America, and the, the guy went through my career, obviously not knowing who I was. And oh dear, you used to do Who's Line? Yeah, we have that over here. Um, oh, and you were a ch- and uh, you're a lawyer. And, they, and I said, well, I can't make any sense of this either. And this is my career, but it doesn't make sense to me. So. Yes, well, and it's also your life. I mean, Mystic Britain, is this showing up? I'm, I'm aware of the show. I haven't seen it, I'll be honest with you, but I'm, yeah. I'd, I'd need to find the Smithsonian Channel. But none, nonetheless, <laughs> does, does this lean to a sort of spiritual side? Because you, you go to sort of all these incredible landmarks across the UK, which have some deep spiritual meaning, don't they? Well, they were, yes, that, that's part of it, but it's it's more, um, you know, historic or prehistoric in most cases. Um looking at what's going on because I mean take the obvious example of Stonehenge almost every week there's another theory and another discussion about what you know where Stonehenge came from who put it there and why Uh, so there's always a program available to say what's you know this latest discovery says it was a burial site or this latest discovery says it was built in Wales first and then transferred to Salisbury Plain 
and then there are other things that you know, so it's a I, I, so I found it a fascinating thing to do but for reasons I can't remember why now we had to film in the coldest days of the winter <laughs> which are the shortest days <laughs> so most of it's me standing around um, um, with, I have my co-presenter Mariana Hotter who knows about this stuff but I I look particularly cold at all times, but I I think that's that's good. It's good. It makes actually entertainment for the the audience. But have you found yourself, you know, sort of becoming? I guess I'm using the word spiritual here, Clive. You know, because it's not. It's definitely not something that I would have thought of. I've obviously grown up on your shows and, and consumed the chat shows and everything that that you've been doing, and and you've yeah. always got this sort of dry, almost sardonic style where I I kind of feel like you don't believe anything. So to kind of learn that you're going around these kind of mystic sites i mean are you are you the doubting thomas or have you have you fallen for it do you believe this stuff? Uh, well i don't i wouldn't say this you can't say you've fallen for it because each one has a different you know the, the prehistoric ones have feet we, we're not quite sure what, what the religion was but it seemed to involve sometimes a bit of human sacrifice or 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 um appeal to the sun gods that things are going to go on then when later we're looking at um, there's, there's a great, there's a great site you know the well-known site of Sutton Hoo. We we did one there because there's a there's a very interesting burial site at Sutton Hoo which people know about. But then, but then around it there are other people who were buried, and um, and who were they? And they were more like sort of criminals who'd been punished. And this this was to do with the change in religion, so that the Sutton Hoo was although it's Anglo-Saxon it was more like a Viking burial site. And the later on ones it looks like you know, there were people being punished for not believing in Christianity. So there's two different value systems there in the one side. Have you got quite an open mind to these things, then? Well, I, I, yes, I suppose I do, but it's not, we're not there to try and decide whose religion, whose religion is it anyway. It's the, <laughs> it's the, just the interesting discovery of why some, you know, some, some things leave more evidence behind than others. So uh, a burial site of an Anglo-Saxon or Viking king uh, they had uh, grave goods, they had swords, uh, gold and silver items, as with the, you know, the ancient Egyptians as well. So there's some, something to find. Later, when uh, people are chipping uh, words into, into stones, then you've got those words to, yes. uh, as, as a sort of memorial. But, so if you fall between the two, you've left nothing behind. Hello, I'm Amber. I work with the team that bring you this show and the Driven Chat podcast. And we love that you're listening. It would be really cool if you could just chuck us five stars, subscribe and tell your friends. Thank you. Andy J Podcast. Clive, let, let's talk about you know, the the big moments that, that are still sort of resonating, that must follow you everywhere. These these kind yeah. of amazing one-liners that you can't hide from. I, I guess that you must still be extremely proud of. You know, example, you know, telling Cher she looks a million dollars and asking if that's how much it cost. Having Richard Branson pouring water on your head and saying, oh, I've experienced that before, I've flown Virgin Atlantic, and so on. I mean, th- these are kind of yeah. real standout moments that everyone remembers, that everyone talks about. Had you thought yeah. about them beforehand? Had you thought, right, I mean, the Bee Gees famously walking off because you'd upset them and so on. Had you thought, well, I'm going to sort of poke the bear a little bit and these these lines will be terrific, or did they just come in the moment? Well, um, it's a mixture. I mean, the best ones come in the moment. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know uh, Richard Branson was going to pour water over my head. I, I um, oh, so it, it, it's, my aim in, in, um, uh, my chat shows always try to be as funny as possible. So, in insofar, well, I should think through what I'm going to ask, but I'd also be thinking, you know, what sort of joke might I do there, or what, what line might I go down? 
Um, but I also wanted to, you know, sometimes challenge the guest on something or other and try and wrap up the the question, the difficult question with a joke, which I thought was helpful, but it, it's not. <laughs> I discovered, I tested that to destruction. Um, sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes the, the guest uh, would say something. And I responded, uh, you're right. These are the ones that people remember when things perhaps went, uh, you know, wrong. Um, the, uh, um, yeah, the, the Richard Brand thing was quite funny because uh, I, it was a fairly ordinary interview. I think he was uh, slightly on edge, not with me, but with British Airways and, and other things. And I think he likes doing stunts, uh, maybe still does, with various occasions. So nothing had really happened in the interview, so he wanted to jolly it up. Um, I think that was his motive. And uh, he asked for a glass of water right at the end and poured it over my head, and which was quite funny. And... Um, uh, so, so, but uh, that was the end of it. Uh, but it wasn't a live show, and the uh, the, the producers were port- stopped the recording. And uh, I said, "What are you doing that for?" So, well, we're not sure if we. Well, you look a bit ridiculous with water, you know, running down or you know smearing down such hair as I had. Um, uh, we're not sure if we're going to use that bit in oh, the actual transfer. So yeah. No, so that was yes, exactly. That was my response. Of course, you're going to include it. That's, that's, there's, there's literally no reason not to. So we had a sort of undignified argument in front of the studio, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but and they uh, they saw the wisdom of my ways. <laughs> they said, "Okay," but by then uh, I dried out, so they they actually had to go and get another glass of water and pour it Good. over my head in the interest <laughs> of continuity. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a shame they didn't get Richard to do it yet. Uh, Mr. Branson, would you mind just one more time with the with the water, please, as you sto- <laughs> as you storm off disgracefully? I mean, obviously, yeah. you, you know, you've. Ch- well, he didn't even storm off. It was just a. It was just a gag. I think. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Clive, you've chatted to the, the sort of great and good for many decades now. You know, we're, we're sort of yeah. citing these kind of moments that stand out. You know, the, the Jeffrey Archer's mm. asking if there was any beginning to his talent and all this kind of thing. There's, you know, there's so many great lines in there. But but at the end of the day, you, you still need to have a one-two with a chat. You know, a chat show is about asking good questions yes. and getting good answers. Who have you really yeah. liked? I don't mean in the fighty sense, but who's kind of stayed with you? Because I think it happens when you've cho- chosen sort of this crazy career. You speak to so many people. Some always stay with you. There's, yeah. there's always like a top five, isn't there? Oh, uh, oh. You don't, you don't have to give me five, five but, but like no, 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 but, people well, that you'd uh, liked you around to dinner afterwards, no, you know, once you've had well, that Well, I've, yeah, I've interviewed a lot of people um, over the... I'm still doing it. I do a programme on Radio 4 called Loose Ends yes. on that... Uh, I, well, it's a bit later on on a Saturday than this, uh, 6.15 on the Saturday evening. So, um, uh, so that once you add all those in, I have interviewed a lot of people. So I did, I did, um, I, I enjoyed interviewing Peter Cook when he was um, alive, you know, obviously he's better then. And, and I did a couple of interviews, but I didn't think they were quite right for him because he didn't really like talking about himself. So I, and I got him to do a, a special show where he played four different characters. So it was more like an improvisation show when it was a special edition of my chat show so that's that sort of stuck with me and i got to work with uh, peter cook in in an out and out sort of uh, comedy thing um so that's that's one of them that i i, I normally i have fond memories of uh, robin williams oh, who was yes. a great so i'm just going through a lot of dead people's remember but uh, but he was but that was scarcely an interview uh, because you just have to say so robin uh, this is not your first time in London. And away he'd go and give you 20 minutes on London and first times. And, and then you say, oh, thank you very much, Robin Williams. So you know, I, would, I don't know how you regard people who gabble on uh, 
um, you know, or not gabble on, but go on brilliantly. Um, you, you think, oh, I'm not, this is easy money. And yeah. people say, oh, you didn't get a chance to get a word in with Robert Williams, as though that was a pain. I did uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, the leader of um, the USSR. Yes. Um, that was a, I think that was a good interview because he doesn't speak English. And we were doing a comedy chat show, but between me, him, and his regular translator, who he brought with him, interpreter, um, it was very good. It was a very entertaining interview, I think. But uh, the trouble nowadays is that uh, my memories of what the interviews are like are lodged in my head. But people can look some of these up, maybe even all of them up on you know on YouTube and, and other sites, and they don't always. That whenever I've done that, I'm well, no, the, the bad ones aren't quite as bad as I remember them, and the good ones are definitely not as good as I remember them. They're a bit, um, so I, I try not to look back. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, there, there are moments, I mean, I've had a couple where I just sort of think afterwards, well, that was horrible. That was a really uncomfortable <clears> moment. But then you listen back to it and it's like, actually, we kept going. You know, no, nobody yeah. died. It's just a chat show. Yeah. These things are kind of, you know. Yeah. They're not make or break, but it is. It's it's funny how personally you take things, but particularly if you if you feel like you're not getting a great chat and you you feel responsible yeah. for that, you know. Well, I did. I'll tell you one example. This may be only only of interest to you and not for the listeners, which is unfortunate. And uh, but I'm not. And I'm afraid I'm not going to make it even more interesting by saying here it was. But I interviewed a, an actress once, and she was not in a state uh, to do the interview. I don't think. I don't know right. why she wasn't. But anyway, she and she repeated herself, and she and it was all over. It was pretty poor, and um, I. This is a recording. So the next day, I happened to be out and about, and somebody said, "Oh, yeah, I was at the the, uh, or oh, a couple of days later, I was uh, somebody I bumped into said, oh, I was at that recording. I can see why you cut her out of the show because she was so bad.' As well, uh, she's not really cut out of the show. That was we were pre-recording for next week with her. She was a she was an extra, so she will be on next week. And he said, oh, she was dreadful. She couldn't answer your questions. I said, well, you'll find there's something in there. It'll require rather more editing than it's normal, but it'll be all right. And then they went out the next week, and she looked fine in it. And as a result of it, she got some part in the play, I think, because somebody saw her and thought, oh, she's absolutely excellent in dealing with these, uh, you know, know, interfering kind of questions. uh, intrusive questions from the chat. So it just, so a certain amount of editing sometimes uh, helps, uh, but that was a rescue job, I think, on that, which uh, I can't take any credit for it, but the producers do. Sounds and. to me like she should have brought them a drink, to be fair, because that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's quite a well, result. Well, I think maybe she was just nervous. Maybe she was just nervous. Yeah. Or something. Maybe, uh, I don't know. But, uh, well, fair enough. Um, well, fair enough. Yeah. Clive, one of the things that we saw during the pandemic and you will have known this as well, in particular, hosting the shows that you do, was everybody that was stopped, that their usual jobs were stopped, everybody wrote a book. You know, there was an awful lot of books that came out. And Mm. and I think there were six million or seven million podcasts per celebrity. You know, everybody started podcasts, including myself. And crucially, you. You decided, I want to jump on this bandwagon and get the Seven Wonders going. Yes, well, I do. Yes, a podcast I do, like a one-hour interview with um, a, a guest, and the, the, the structure is they come up with their seven wonders, their seven wonders of the world. And it's been uh, quite, well, I said, m- one of my motivations, more than anything, was the fact I'm very used to doing interviews on television and radio that are all quite short. Uh, they're they're 10-minute interview, 20-minute interview, if I'm lucky, um, either on television chat shows when you've got two or three guests in a half hour or an hour, you know, uh, or um, on radio, as I've mentioned, Lucenzo, I have three guests and there are other things in the show. 
So I feel I do a lot of research in order to come up with what is largely, hello, how are you? Yeah, I think you've got a book out, I understand. Yes. Um, yes. It's a whodunit, so we can't say whodunit. You know, so it's, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So but- I, must, I must come up with a format that I can do uh, a whole, you know, use the research I do on uh, or what I know about the person. So anyway, my seven wonders seem to... Uh, a reasonable thing. It's worked quite well so far. The, the, everyone who's agreed to do it, they've come up with a, a good range of wonders. They don't. I thought they most would probably include an awful lot of, you know, great sites they'd been to in their travels. But there's some quite, you know, poignant ones. You know, painting they did for their parents when they were young, or, or um, you know, some some teachers helped. You know, it's quite a quite a good range of uh, of guests. So um, yeah, my Clive Anderson's. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson. It almost sounds like I'm one of the wonders, but uh, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a terrific listen. And and, and you're right. It's, it's one of those things where, you, you know, you get these guests, you expect to have this kind of depth of research. And, and with, in a short interview, you just get a couple of anecdotes. Now, I appreciate your tight on time, Clive. So uh, I'll, just, I'll just very quickly ask you about a couple of quick things, if that's yeah. okay. Sorry, I was just looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one, of course, is we can see you doing your new stand-up show, uh, and that's touring again, isn't it? Well, I, I came up with a show for um, 2019. I first did it at Edinburgh. I hadn't ever done a sort of a, I, I didn't even call it a stand-up show. I called it a one-man show, and it's called Me, Macbeth, and I. So I did it in Edinburgh, and as you probably know, uh, you have to do an hour show there, no more, no less. And uh, so it's about, uh, well, you know, Shakespeare's Macbeth and the real Macbeth and me, and it's and I do talk about my chat show uh, moments and things like that in it. So it went pretty well in Edinburgh. Got some good reviews and sold a lot of tickets. So um, I was strong armed to say I should do a, uh, a tour, uh, which I set off to do at the beginning of well March 2020. Ideal time for doing your first stage tour. And I got two shows in when it all had to stop. Just two. The, oh. Yeah, just because of the uh, the pandemic, obviously. And we've had. I think at least two further sets of dates that we were aiming to do because every time it, you know, looks like oh this is all it'll all be over by Christmas, it'll all be over, you know, like the First World War. Anyway, so we've, we're starting again uh, in uh, February, and uh, so it's a it's a longer show in the theatre. You have to do a proper full length show, which is again it's been a, a somewhat of a relief for me because in Edinburgh I had to gabble to get everything in because oh I do do and but now I can relax a bit more. And uh, so, you, as I say, you get all about me, my relationship to comedy, um, performing, the law, and chat shows. And I'm not, I'm not sure I should do some sort of audience research to discover which bits people like. There may be people there who are only there for the interesting facts about Sir Macbeth, and other people who are only there to hear me talk about, you know, the, you know, the, the Bee Gees and Cher and all the ones you. Uh, mentioned yes yeah, the disasters in other words who knows yeah. there may be some people who are exclusively there for the law clive i mean that would that would be it's possible be it's a nice possible, a niche yes there's not a huge amount of i just touch on it to explain my it's, it's, it's sort of um a, a lot of comedians have said this to me i've interviewed loads over this it there's a sort of um it's sort of therapy aspect to just standing there and talking about yourself for for an hour or two hours um, and I've, uh, you know, I, I like to think of myself as being, you know, adding a, you know, adding a sort of show, a performance here. But now when I, when I think about it, there's an awful lot of me telling the audience stuff about me, which um, I hope that, I hope there's enough to sustain their interest. But, That's what they're there for. Um, I mean, it, we'll discover that. 
have yeah. have nerves evaporated? Do you ever get the butterflies, or have you been kind of has that not bothered you for years? I'm always nervous, very nervous before doing anything, you know, any performing. And but I've been doing, I've been nervous, and I've been performing since I was, let's say, you know, eleven or maybe even younger. Um, you know, I'm not enormous amounts, but I've been the person who introduces things or makes little speeches or, uh, into, you know, in court, I was a, very much a courtroom barrister. You're making speeches to, well, a judge and twelve people, or it may be maybe more uh, your opponents. Uh, as I say, doing warm-ups, doing st- I was did stand-up comedy when they first reinvented stand-up comedy. But I'm always anxious before. I'm always feel slightly underprepared, and so I think now I'm old enough to realise this just must be me. I have to be in that. It's it's a slightly pleasurable nervousness. It's not. I don't get stage fright, but I get stage nerves. Um, so I don't know if you're a skier, but I imagine what if you're a skier, you're always nervous at the top of the the the, the, the steeper the steepest. You've gone to your steepest slope, and you're always, oh, I wonder if I'm going to make it down. And if it didn't have that feel, there would be nothing. There's no point just doing something easy, is there? Yes, no, precisely. Well, that's really. my excuse for being a quivering wreck. <laughs> constantly constantly <laughs> terrified. Yes, yes. <laughs> Going through life. But it's enjoyable. I mean, yeah, the enjoyable bit is, uh, for me, is the, you know, the three seconds at the end of you having done a show, and it's gone well, and, that, oh, that's great. For those three seconds, there's a fantastic feeling. And then four seconds later, you're thinking about, oh, all your other things come flooding back into your mind. And how am I going to get to the next show? I wonder that's if it. it'll go, oh, that was, that was a great ad lib or something that came into that one. But I, that's never going to happen again. And I, oh, oh, no, I've just remembered a joke I didn't do. Or, or I stumbled on the very, the very best gag. Oh, I must do that better next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like the inner voice is, is yeah. ever present, which is, which is no real surprise. I don't present myself as a completely agonised person, but uh, <laughs> I think this is part of this part of the fun of um, performing. Yes, quite right too. Now, Clive, if if memory serves, and and more importantly, if my maths is correct, which it frequently isn't, I mm. believe December the tenth this year will will have a bit of a landmark moment for you, the big seventy. Yes. Yes, well, it's cruel of you to add on that next minute. We're only in January. It's still yeah. in January. No, yeah. no, we're not. We're, we're February. We're in February, February now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've still got um, whatever that is, ten months. Many months. Maybe the best part of eleven months before I get. Well, I'm so I'm the I'm in the, the comedy age of sixty nine at the moment, and then yes, seventy seventy. <laughs> 70 is the new 62. Well, that's that's good to hear. I thought yeah. it was the new 34. No, I'm quite, I'm quite impressed that I'm still going. But I, the you know, three three score a year and 10 is your sort of almost like the promise the Bible kind of suggests. That's sort of the the rough length of time. So it's all a bonus after 70. <laughs> well, I was going to say, are you, you know, you now have 10 odd months to plan a, a massive party. Is, is this something you will do or are you a bit too reserved for that? Well, do you, this is the... Uh, it's a dreadful thing. Uh, not long ago, I haven't, been, I haven't been going out much uh, recently for the obvious reasons, but we were out in a, it's a restaurant, but quite a big restaurant with some friends. And we were re- reminiscing that we'd had our 40th, my wife and I had had our 40th birthday joint celebration in that very location. And we all looked and stared and thought, because we all felt, it seems like a million years ago, but it also feels like about five years ago. And then now, as you say, as you um, pointed out, so we say thirty years sort of passed, and, and as you get older, less sort of less really happens in your life. And when you're young, between the ages of say uh, fifteen and twenty-five, or eighteen and 
28, loads happen. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you might meet the love of your life. You may start a career that's going to last you. You may have children. You may also, most extraordinary, you leave home, you buy. Extraordinary things happen in 10-year periods. Now, 30 years goes by and, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> changed. <laughs> my, children, my children have grown up. You know, they've it. gone from, you know, zero to 30. I've gone from, um, you know, uh, an old-looking 40-year-old to an old-looking 70-year-old, you know. Um, <laughs> Young-looking 70-year-old. No, there you go. No, not there you go. You're not 60, no. <laughs> 69 still. Right, so, so but meaning, presumably, then, 70, you've got to go back to that restaurant. Well, we could do, we could do, or maybe we should do something different, because it might depress people to say, first of all, well, a number of people can't be with us tonight because <laughs> in the intervening time, they've fallen off the perch, and... Um, yes. And yeah, and well, yeah, we should get the if we could find it the, the guest list for then and see how many have made it and how how many haven't. Well, and then add in the new people. Perhaps more important. You should, have been, here, yeah. you should have been here thirty years ago. <laughs> Boy, there were some big names. Yeah. In those well, days. That was that was a great <laughs> night. Yeah, sorry you missed it. <laughs> that was that was all the fun. Now I think it'd be pretty yeah. impressive to have kept the same friends across thirty years. Surely that's there must be people you've stopped contacting by now um well i suppose i i'm reasonably good at uh, not me particularly but i have a, a, a sort of friendship group i've been pretty good at uh, sticking together over many years i have um well fr friends i've known from school uh friends i know from university and you know others above you know from uh, legal days and also sort of early days radio and uh, television and most of them i don't i don't can't think of you put me on the spot here. There must be somebody I've got a, a feud with that I've <laughs> so that I'll never speak to me again. I wasn't even meaning feuds, but I love that that's where your <laughs> mind went. You know, it's just instantly I've clearly fallen out with Phyllis. It's Phyllis, whoever Phyllis is to you. Everyone's fallen out with Phyllis. Um, Clive, uh, you, you mentioned, because of course, you know, you will be this detective uh, in, in Who Done It Unrehearsed 2 at the Park Theatre. Mm. And you mentioned that that's, that's something you're excited about. You, you referenced Columbo. So, so to, to paraphrase him, just one more thing, if you'd be so kind, because you've given us so yeah. much of your time. There's something that I, I kind of found out randomly. I'm not quite sure how I discovered this. It might be complete, mm. complete bunkum, but I do always like to yeah. pull out these kind of true or falses. So this is the last oh, one yes, for good. you. Yeah. Uh, you mm. have a bit of a dodgy relationship with a tumble dryer. 2018, the, the house nearly burnt down. Uh, yes, it did. That's yeah. true. Uh, wow. Okay. Tumble dryers are dangerous things, it turns out, <laughs> uh, because I'm now uh, more aware of this than perhaps we were before, but we had a tumble dryer in our basement, which caught fire and um it, it could have been worse uh, to be honest but uh, it did generate uh, for an hour it was burning generating a lot of smoke and the smoke if you have a fire i suppose anywhere in your house but certainly in the basement gets everywhere so it was quite a long job so it could have been worse because the house didn't burn down but it was smoked out so we um we had to move out for months and uh, um you know get it uh, sorted out Gosh, that I mean, that was a lot yeah. more serious than I was expecting, Clive. I thought there'd just be some kind of funny one-liner, but actually that's quite a horrible thing <laughs> Sorry, to have I'll happened. One, yes. Funny one-liner. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, it was... Um, Always good to end was, on a gag, Clive. Always good to end on a yeah. gag. You know? <laughs> okay, you you bring up you bring up my house burning down, nearly losing <laughs> family members, but okay. Oh, gosh, mind. it gets a lot Always worse. A I thought Always it was... I thought <laughs> it was... <laughs> yeah, oh, my apologies. Yeah. That was horrendous. No, I wasn't there at the time. Uh, my uh, my daughter was, and my we, we weren't sure. Uh, one of my daughters was there, and uh, my son had been there, but uh, a few hours before. But uh, 
uh, wasn't in the house at the time. So there's a bit of confusion that only lasted a few minutes to work out who was there and who who wasn't. But uh, we weren't, me and my wife weren't there. And um, so that was that. Well, and if you can't we laugh at the that, then what can you laugh at, for goodness sake? <laughs> I mean, clearly, I, I now know what I'll be sending you on your 70th. I'm just going to send yeah, you a drying yeah. rack. There you go. Jobs are good. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that is the advice that some people give. Just don't don't use it. Trouble with uh, tumble dryers, I now know, is their job is to dry things. <laughs> so they are a very dry thing, and the bits of fluff are dry. So should anything go wrong, any electrical fault, then um, uh, you know it's it's just the stuff that you that will catch fire. It, it, so I mean it's, it's obvious when you, when you think about it. So it gets the fire going and it melt, melted everything around it. I'm here for the household advice. Thank you, Clive. That yeah. was that was terrific. Yeah, I mean, do you do household tips normally? Oh, it's, I mean, it's going to be a new feature. I, I've discovered yeah. it's a, like you stumble across these things sometimes, and I feel that'll have to be something that comes into every guest now. It's Dry like, your clothes on a line in the garden. There, you, the, <laughs> there you are. There you are. Um, Clive, it's, it's been lovely kind of making friends with you for the first time. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Andy, for having me. I really appreciate it. Good luck when you grace the stage at the Park Theatre, because as you say, you will be stitched up, but in the best possible way, I think. (laughs) Yes, Uh, yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Brilliant. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much for your company. Really appreciate it. The Andy J Podcast. Loved Clive. I mean, just so fun. A little bit scared to talk to him because he's so quick-witted and so smart and so sharp. But I really thank him for his company and and what a great guy. Really, really enjoyed that. We were watching each other over Zoom, so it was quite a surreal thing watching him in this kind of wardrobe cupboard that he's turned into a studio in his house. Uh, Really, really fun. Tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow I have a special episode for you. Episode number 99 will be with Jez Bond, the man who has literally built Park Theatre out of nothing. He had a dream 12, 13 years ago that he wanted to build a theatre that was inclusive for all and for the community and so on and so forth. And he and he set out to do it. Now, as you know, a regular listener to this show will know we have big names, big celebrities, and we very rarely veer off that course. We basically have our big names, people who you know, you you, you have this immense instant traction on their names, and that's why you come to the show. Well, I implore you to give tomorrow's episode with Jez Bond a listen because not only did he create Park Theatre from nothing and has been the driving force behind all that. But he also is the director and the creative brain behind this whodunit unrehearsed. He's a fascinating character and I get so many messages from people that listen to this show. Lots of them, of course, reacting very generously. I love it when you do, reacting to the conversations we've had with the star names. But there are lots of messages. I get several messages a week from people talking about the media industry. How can they get into it? And this is from all ages, by the way. It's not just from youngsters. I get I get lots of people later in life saying I, I always wanted to do a radio show or podcast, be on telly, whatever it might be, acting and so on and so forth, and they ask advice. And so I think tomorrow's episode with Jez is one for you guys. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be in and around showbiz, Jez Bond has lived a life, and I think he's got some amazing stories to share about... I mean, he really has literally built his career from nothing. He was a director beforehand, I should should be clear on that, but he has built this amazing theatre that is now a thriving theatre in Finsbury Park and he's done it all on his own so I think you will hear about that tomorrow and I really hope you'll take the time to listen and then later this week Thursday I think it'll be episode 100 of the Andy J podcast with the irresistible Harry Hill 
Thank you so much for your company. Go well. And, well, I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Andy J Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.